Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. Well, this morning we are wrapping up this series that you see on the screen, The Forgotten Characters of Christmas. And our goal in this study over the last number of weeks has been to look at the lives of individuals connected with the Christmas story that oftentimes aren't the focal point. This morning we are going to look at the wise men, and they're a little bit more of the focal point than normal. But we've looked at individuals connected with the story that many times are neglected. And our goal through this is not just to learn more about certain biblical characters, but our goal with this has been really to focus in on why we celebrate Christmas. What what does Christmas really mean? Is it really just about family time? Is it really just about giving gifts? Is is it really just about the the joy of and the festivities and lights? Or is there something more? And I think we understand that there is a deeper meaning. There's deeper truths connected. And that's what we've been trying to uncover in this study. By way of review, you will remember several weeks ago, we began by looking in the book of Daniel and looking at the wise men and the connection, and we saw the truth that Christmas is God's provision, that through the sending of Christ, God provided for us. Then we looked at the genealogy of Christ, and we looked at the, the, the unusual characters that are listed in the genealogy. Remember, we looked at the life of Tamar and Bathsheba and Ruth and We saw King David and Solomon, and we saw lives of individuals that are characterized by immorality and idolatry, and we asked the question, why would God allow those type of people to be in the line of Christ? I mean, if it was up to you and me, we would probably want those that are the most holy, the most righteous to be in the genealogy of Christ, but through that, we saw that in the line of Christ is a group of people who are characterized as sinners, And it's the reality that you and I are also characterized as sinners, and through that we learn that Christmas is about God's grace. Where would we be without God's grace? And then last week we saw the truth of some individuals, Simeon and Anna, that recognized that Christmas is hope, that through the story of Christ we have hope. And so we've seen God's provision, we've seen God's grace, and we've seen hope. And this morning we see the final truth that wraps it all together. Because here's the truth. If we understand all of those other things, but we then fail to respond correctly, we miss the whole point. So I want us to walk away this morning understanding this Christmas season, this time of year, this holiday that we celebrate demands a response from us. It demands a response from you. The question is, how are you responding to the message of Christ and the story of Christmas. This passage I read, Matthew chapter 2, presents three different groups of people or individuals. You have Herod, you have the chief priests and scribes, and then you have the wise men. So here's my challenge to you up front. As we go through this, I want you to analyze your response to Christmas, your response to the Christmas story. And I want you to ask yourselves this question. How am I responding? How am I responding The first individual that we look at, we're looking at this morning is Herod. I don't know how much you know about King Herod, but he was not a very nice guy. By and large, he was an evil man. He had moments of kindness and that he tried to help the Jewish people rebuild the temple. And during a time of famine, he sold some of his possessions to provide food for his people. But by and large, he was an evil, 
individual. He was responsible for the murder of over 50 people. In fact, he murdered his mother-in-law. He murdered a couple of his sons. He murdered several, several chief priests. In fact, when he knew that the end of his life was coming, he had his guards go out and arrest some of the most notable people from this surrounding area and sentenced them to death on made-up charges. And the plan was this. They are to be put to death, King Herod said, the moment I die, because I know no one will mourn my death, but I know people will mourn my, their death. And th for years to come, I want the day I die to be mourned. And since they're not going to mourn for me, I'm going to put people to death so at least there will be mourning on the day that I die. That's the kind of individual he was. Not a nice guy. He was paranoid. The reason why he put so many people to death was that he was always concerned that there was someone who was going to try to oust him from the throne. And so his mother-in-law and some of his sons and the people surrounding him that he put to death, he put to death simply because he thought they were a threat to the throne, that they were a threat to his ruling. King Herod was, as I mentioned, paranoid. So how did he respond? Well, let me show you a few ways that he responded to the birth of the king. We read the story that wise men come in and unexpectedly say they're looking for the one who's been born king of the Jews. But look at verse 3. When, he, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. The first way he responded was with worry. When he heard that these wise men, these magi that had come and traveled for so long, when they came in and said, we are looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews... This was disturbing to Herod. Why? Well, in his mind, he was king of the Jews. The wise men were not coming in looking for someone that had been born prince. They were looking for someone, in their words, who had been born king. And in Herod's mind, there could not be two kings. His worry, his being troubled, I believe, was motivated ultimately by selfishness. He did not want to lose control. He was the authority. He was the one in charge. He had the power, and he did not want to relinquish that. This announcement that Jesus had been born king of the Jews was worrisome to him. But you know, today, when people hear about the message of Christ, many people respond with worry. They respond with this thought process that says, I don't want to give up control of my life. I mean, if I give my life to Christ, that means that Christ is ruling in my heart and I can no longer be in control. And still today, people respond with worry when they hear about the message of Christ. Herod not only responded with worry, he also responded with hypocrisy. Skip down with me, if you will, all the way to verse 8. Notice this next response. So he's talked with the wise men. He's talk, talked with the scribes. Now here's what he says. He sent them, the wise men, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Now how many of you believe that Herod really had a desire to worship? I was hoping nobody would raise their hands. Um, he responded with this verbal commitment to says, you know, when you find this one who's been, been born king of the Jews, come and tell me so that I can go and worship. From his lips, it sounded like a desire to worship. But when you look at his heart, you find something completely different. His lips was focused on worship. His heart was focused com somewhere completely different. He acted spiritually concerned about the birth of Christ. He had an outward expression of sincere interest, but there was no inward reality. There was this 
This desire for those around him, especially the wise men, to believe that he had a desire to worship the king of kings. But in his heart, there was no desire at all. And I wonder how many times we come in and we sing the Christmas carols and we read the Christmas story and we talk about Christmas. But all it is is lip service. I mean, I wonder if there's some here this morning that your response to the birth of Christ in reality is a response of hypocrisy where you... Verbally, you're interested. Verbally, you sing the songs. Verbally, you act as though you're focused on the Christmas story. But if we were to dig a little deeper and we were to look into your heart, we would not find any reality of interest. I wonder how many of us this morning are here and we are demonstrating this interest in the Christmas story and demonstrating this interest in the birth of Christ. But if we were truly honest this morning, it's all hypocrisy. We're going through the motions. We're just here because it's what we do. In reality, that's how Herod responded. He had this hypocritical response that may have fooled those around him initially. In fact, the wise men were fooled by this because they had to be warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Their intent was to go back. They believed he wants to come and worship, which tells us it is possible to convince people around us that we are interested in Christ, but deep down have no concern at all. Have you this morning simply convinced those around you that you are concerned and focused on the birth of Christ, but deep down you know it's fake? It is possible to go through the motions, convince people, but deep down your response is hypocritical. That's not the only way he responded. He also responded with hatred. He responded with hatred. Skip down again all the way down to verse 16. So we come to the part of the story now where the wise men have gone back home a different way. Herod now knows they have not reported back to him. Now notice verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that, they had, that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. We learn a couple things from this. First of all, when the wise men came to worship Jesus, he was no longer a baby. He was a toddler at this point. They entered a house, it says. So he's probably 18 to 24 months old at this point. The wise men are getting ready to come in. They go in. They worship. We'll see that in just a moment. Herod now knows that he's been outwitted by them. And we see now the reality of his heart, don't we? I mean, up to this point, he simply expressed interest in worshiping Jesus. But now we see the reality of his heart, a heart that is filled with hatred. He had all the babies under age two put to death, which was probably 25 to 50 babies that were murdered out of hatred, out of insecurity. I've learned from watching people over the years that people who reject Christ, people who refuse to submit to Christ, people who consistently live a life of hypocrisy eventually over time become bitter and angry toward God and toward the things of God. Your hypocrisy will only carry us so far. Hypocrisy in our life may take us through the motions, but there comes a point in time where something happens in our life. Maybe it is something tragic. Maybe it is a disappointment. Regardless of what it is, if your life is motivated by hypocrisy and there is secretly hate, eventually that hate, that anger will be manifested just like it was in the life of Herod. Herod shows us that it is possible to act interested in the birth of Christ in one hand, one moment, but in reality have no interest in Christ, and eventually the hatred in your heart, the hatred in his heart became evident. 
You know what this tells us? We can only fake it for so long. We can only fake an interest in Christ, an interest in the birth of Christ, an interest in the things of Christ for so long. Eventually, the reality of our hearts will be clearly seen. And if not on this earth, one day standing before God, the reality of your heart will be known to all. In fact, Matthew chapter 7, in a portion of scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount, we find a group of people, it says, that will stand before Christ one day and will profess faith in Christ. And they will stand before him and say, we have done all of these things in your name. And I would imagine they will say that we've gone to church in your name and we sang Christmas carols in your name and we went through the motions of worship in your name. And Jesus is going to look at them. God's going to look at them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In that moment, the reality of their heart will become known to all. It is possible to, to fake interest in Christ. It is possible to fake worship. But one day, the reality of your heart will be known, and you are judged on the reality of your heart. Don't be like Herod. Don't be like someone who fakes interest, but in reality has hatred that is going to eventually be known. The second group of people I want us to notice this morning is the chief priests and scribes. You say, who are the chief priests and scribes? The chief priests and scribes were the religious leaders of this time. They were the people who had the most knowledge. They were, in one hand, the pastors or deacons or Sunday school teachers, the ones who supposedly had the most knowledge about biblical things, about spiritual things. I mean, if there was a group of people who, had, who should have responded correctly to the birth of Christ, it should have been the religious Right? I mean, it should have been the leaders in the church, so to speak, the teachers in the church, the deacons in the church. It, if there was anyone who should have responded correctly, it should have been them. They, they knew the prophecy about the coming Messiah. They knew to be looking for it. They knew what it meant. But what we're going to see is that this group of people did not respond correctly. And I wonder why. I mean, maybe they had been under the influence of Herod for such a long period of time that they had been, become indifferent towards Christ. Maybe they were operating out of fear and they were afraid if they expressed too much interest in Christ that maybe Herod would have them put to death. Regardless of the reason, they did not respond correctly. So how did they respond? Here's the first way. They responded with knowledge. Look at verse 4. The wise men have come in. And so he, verse 4, he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Now notice this. They knew the answer. I mean, Herod comes to them and says, where is this Messiah to be born? He calls in the chief priests and scribes, and they know. Notice what they say in verse 5. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what is written by the prophet. They start quoting the Bible. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people, Israel. Do you see what's happening? Wise men come in and say, we're looking for the one who's been born king of the Jews. We saw Herod's response. He calls the chief priests and scribes in. They, he asked them this spiritual question. Where is Jesus going to be born? Where is the Messiah going to be born? And they know. And not only do they know it, they start quoting Bible back to him. They knew the truth. They responded with knowledge. And I believe this is the category that a lot of Americans fall into because there is a great amount of knowledge about the birth of Christ. 
There's a great amount of knowledge about the message of Christ. There's a great amount of knowledge about biblical things. And many people have a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. They know the story of Christmas. They know the story of Christ. They know the Bible. But there's something missing. See, when we just see that they responded with knowledge, we may think, hey, this is a good thing. But we have to go on to the next point because they responded without belief. They had knowledge, but they did not have belief. They responded without belief. This group had the knowledge, but not the belief. They knew the right things, but they didn't let that truth of what they knew change them. Here's what we learned from this. Listen carefully. It is possible to know about Christ. It is possible to have knowledge about Christ, but yet not have a relationship with Christ. Many people know about God. It is a far different thing to have a relationship with God. Let me ask you very plainly this morning. Do you have a relationship with God? Or do you simply know about God? You know what? It is possible to stand up this morning and quote scripture, know all the songs, be able to quote the Christmas story, but not have a relationship with God. That's what, the, that's what we see in the scribes here. They knew all the answers. They had all the facts. They had all the knowledge. They could quote the Bible. But when it came down to it, they did not believe. And I believe it is possible this morning, churches all across our country, all across the world, gathering together to celebrate the birth of Christ, that these churches have people in them, that those individuals, there are individuals who have the knowledge. They know the songs. They know the story. They know a lot about God, but yet they have never began a relationship with God. And when you stand before God, when I stand before God one day, he is not going to look at you or look at me and say, how much do you know about me? Let's see how many Bible verses you can quote. He's going to look and say, it's about relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about how many times you go to church. It's not about how many facts you know. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Christ came. This birth was about him becoming man so that we could have a relationship through him with God. He didn't come so that we could have more knowledge. He came so that we could have a relationship. And if you've never began that relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ, then it doesn't matter how much you know, you're missing the whole point. I have no doubt that these scribes these, these chief priests, these individuals who had all the knowledge, if you were to go, to up, go up to them and say, hey, do you think you'll be in heaven one day? They would say, absolutely, we know the Bible. Absolutely, we can. Let me quote to you some prophecies. That's not what matters. And if you're here this morning and you have the knowledge, but deep down you know you have no relationship, I want you to understand your knowledge is worthless. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is why Christ was born, to provide a relationship with God through Christ. That's what we've seen. Christmas is God's provision. Christmas is God's grace. And it's all about Christ who has been born. Now, we've seen two wrong responses. I want us to look at the wise men. The group of people we actually looked at the first week of this study has a far different response than that of Herod and that of the chief priests and scribes. I asked the group Wednesday night how many wise men were there. It's kind of a trick question. We really don't know. We know there were three gifts, but we really don't know how many wise men there were. It never says. 
But how did they respond? Here's the first way. They responded with joy. Completely different than Herod. Herod responds with worry, hypocrisy, hatred. Notice verse 10. And when they saw the star, notice this, they were overjoyed beyond measure. This is worded about as strongly as you can word it. It doesn't just say, you know what, they were a little happy about it. It's that they were overjoyed beyond measure. They could not have had any more joy. Why? Why would someone look at the birth of Christ and respond with joy? The only way you will respond or I will respond with joy when thinking about the birth of Christ is in understanding what the birth of Christ means. See, it's not just a celebrating a birth. It is celebrating the purpose of a birth. Christ came for a purpose. In fact, Matthew says that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to be a ransom for many. Christ came for the purpose of dying and then raising again so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have eternal life. I firmly believe that when the wise men saw the star stop over the house, that the reason they responded with joy wasn't merely because their journey was over. The reason they were overjoyed beyond measure is because they understood what this birth means. And listen, the reason you and I can celebrate and can have joy this time of year is because we understand what the birth of Christ means. We've talked about it throughout this series. Our joy, your joy as a believer in Christ, is not connected to your circumstances. If it were, then your joy would be gone the instant your circumstances take a downward turn. And listen, circumstances take downward turns, right? And then sometimes it takes another downward turn after it took a downward turn. That's life. Your joy cannot be tied to your circumstances. The reason why we can celebrate and have joy this time of year and every time of year, regardless of circumstances, is because we understand what the birth of Christ means. Nothing in this life, for the believer, nothing in this life can alter the fact that you have the forgiveness of sins through God. Nothing that happens in this life can change your eternal destiny. Nothing that happens in this life can rob you of the forgiveness of sins, which means you can have joy when you are focused on Christ. That's the key. The wise men were overjoyed beyond measure, not because of circumstances, but because they were focused on the person and the purpose of Jesus Christ. You want joy? You want more joy in your life? Focus more on the person of Christ. I find it interesting. The book of Philippians, one of my favorite New Testament books, the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Does anybody know? Well, Paul mentions joy, I think, 14 times throughout the short book. Does anybody know where Paul was when he wrote the book of Philippians? Jail. Jail. The theme's joy. He's in jail. Why? Joy is not connected to circumstances. Joy is connected to the person of Christ. You can have joy regardless of what is happening when your focus is on Christ. The wise men responded with joy. Why? Because they were focused on Christ. They also responded with obedience. Look at verse 12. They responded with obedience. After being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. This joy focused on the person of Christ, this joy focused on the purpose of Christ, this relationship with God through Christ naturally results in a life of obedience to Christ. You can't disconnect those. 
To, to say that you have a relationship with Christ and that relationship produces joy, but then to live a life that lacks obedience is to contradict yourself. The joy that comes from a relationship with Christ automatically results in a life of obedience to Christ. You can't have joy but neglect obedience. In fact, I would argue, and I think Scripture argues this, that you have more joy through obedience. The wise men responded with obedience. They understood that this king that had been born king of the, king of the Jews, this king of kings, this lord of lords, this one who had come to seek and to save those that were lost, this one that had come to die, this one that had come to be a ransom for many, they understood that you cannot just look to Christ as Savior, but you must also look to him as Lord. The Bible doesn't present it that he can be your Savior and not your Lord. The Bible presents it is that when you give your life to him, you are submitting to him. The wise men responded with joy. They responded with obedience. They were not skeptical. They were obedient. I think I would have been skeptical. There's many times in our lives where we simply need to respond with obedience. But where all this entire series has been pointing is to this last point. Now, before I'm not going to give it to you yet. Where we've been talking about Christmas is God's provision, Christmas is God's grace, Christmas is hope, it all comes to this final point of how do we respond. Now hopefully you respond with joy and hopefully you respond with obedience, but there's one final truth that has to govern and overflow, really kind of be the theme of how we respond. Number three, they responded with worship. I want you to notice verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, here's what's interesting. That's exactly what Herod said he wanted to do, right? When you find him, come back to me so that I can go and worship him also. The, the key to all of this is not claiming to want to worship the key to all of this is not saying, I want to worship. The key to this is how do we live this out? Skip on down now and look at verse 11. So they come to the place where the star was. They were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men said, we have come to worship him. Herod said, find him so that I can come and worship him. When it came time, the wise men demonstrated the reality of their hearts by falling on their knees before this baby and worshiping him and presenting him gifts. See, the reality of our hearts for those who truly understand the significance of the birth of Christ is a response that says, I will fall on my face before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I will worship this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in Luke 2 and Matthew 2 is the same God that spoke the world into existence. We look at the God who spoke the world into existence and we worship this babe that has been born. We fall to our knees and we worship. The response that this message re that demands, this message of Christ demands is a, a response that says... I will fall to my knees and worship. And I, I want you to picture this because the image of falling to your knees and worshiping should not be lost. 
These wise men come in. They see this baby. They understand who this baby is. They understand why this baby has been born. They understand that this is the God child. And they fall to their knees. And in Jewish culture, it wasn't just a falling to their knees. It was a falling all the way down and putting their face on the ground and saying, I will worship. It was a demonstration of humility. It was a demonstration of I'm not worthy to be in the presence. It's a demonstration that says, I am nothing. It's, un- it's, it's a demonstration that says, I know who you are and I will fall down and I will worship. Listen, any response to the message of Christ that does not include a response of worship is an invalid or an incomplete response. You and I this morning, if we truly understand what the birth of Christ means and we truly understand that through the birth of Christ there has been provision that has been given to us through Christ, if we understand that this birth is the reason why we can experience and benefit from the grace of God, if we understand that through the birth of Christ that we can have hope and if we understand all of these truths, the only valid response is a response of worship. That's it. There's joy, yes. There's obedience, yes. But that joy and obedience ultimately flows out of that heart that says, I will worship. This Christmas season, this time of year that we celebrate, and listen, I enjoy the family and the food and the fun and the festivities and the lights. I I enjoy all that as much as the next person. But do not go through this Christmas season. And I would say do not go through the day tomorrow without pausing and bowing your heart in worship to God. That is the only valid response, is a response of worship. Which group of people that we talked about this morning do you fall into? I think we're looking at Herod, we would summarize that you have this hypocritical response. Is that you this morning? You have the lip service, but the heart is not there. The chief priests and scribes, they responded with knowledge, but no belief. Is that you? I mean, you know it all, but you don't really believe it. Or do you fall into the group of the wise men where you understand what it means and there's joy and there's obedience, but there's most definitely worship. See, this is where you need to be. And if you're in these other categories, you're in these other groups this morning, you have an opportunity to say, you know what? No more hypocrisy, I will worship. No more simple knowledge, I will now worship. The good news is is that you're not stuck there. The fact that you are alive and breathing and here this morning means that God has given you an opportunity to move from where you are to this place of worship where you say, I now understand the significance of the birth of Christ and there is joy and there is obedience, but I will worship. So I pray that in a moment when I close and when we dismiss, that everyone walks out of this room from this category. I pray that you leave this morning with a heart that is worshiping God, a heart that is filled with joy, and a heart that says, I will obey the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Which which group are you in? And will you walk out from this category? Will you stand with me this morning?
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.